Hi, I'm Ross Greenwood and these are the Money Minutes. Today, the health of our retailers and their landlords as coronavirus support starts to subside. It's a survival guide for business and for shoppers. Great to have your company here on the Money Minutes and today it's all about the way we shop. It's about big shopping centres, the landlords if you like, and retailers and shopkeepers large and small. Collier's International Head of Retail, Michael Bate, will help guide us through it. We'll also hear from the bosses of our two biggest shopping centre groups, Peter Allen, the Chief Executive of Centre Group that runs all of the Westfield shopping centres, and Peter Huddle, Chief Operations Officer of Vicinity Centres, the second largest with centres including Chadston in Melbourne, the biggest in Australia, and also Chatswood Chase in Sydney. Now the reason is there appears to have been a battle royale between retailers and their landlords in the past few months, exemplified I think by Solomon Liu, one of the richest and most powerful retailers in Australia. Think Just Jeans, Portman, Smiggle and Dotty among them. And he in some cases is point blank refusing to pay rent. Otherwise think Mosaic Brands, Noni B, Rivers, Katie's, Millers and Rockman's, which was locked out of some of its stores and threatened to close 500 with all those jobs. A deal, however, has been done with Centre. Because retail in Australia creates close to 1 in 10 jobs. JobKeeper, of course, has protected many of those jobs, but it's being tapered out. Because retail in Australia creates close to 1 in 10 jobs. Now, JobKeeper has protected many of those jobs, but that's being tapered out. Other retailers, large or small, might already be in or close to technical insolvency, but right now they're protected by the moratorium that allows companies to trade while insolvent. But that, along with a rental assistance code for small and medium-sized retailers, is due to come off in the coming weeks. So what is the future of retailing from a consumer, business and landlord's point of view? I want to bring into this conversation a man who I really respect when it comes to retail and also property as well, because as we know, retail is changing with the online world now becoming more prevalent, but then add coronavirus on top and what you've got is a whole lot of shopping centres that either have not been able to open or stores that have not been able to function at the same basis as what they did previously. That man is the Collier's International Head of Retail, Michael Bate, who joins me now. Michael, many thanks for your time. Ross, lovely to talk to you. All right, now going into the coronavirus, it's already fair to say that there were many retailers who were already under significant pressure Uh, There was the move to online sales, but on top of that, many of them already talked about the real problems they have in negotiating tenancies and rents with landlords uh, in big shopping centres. And we'd seen a raft of of company collapses, of retail collapses over the past two years. So this was almost, if you like, the environment we were living in even before COVID-19 hit. 
You're 100% right. And, and if you add on top of that, the, uh, the, hard, uh, the hard yards that a lot of these retail groups went through, through 2019, um, overlay the, uh, the summer bushfires that uh, decimated a lot of the regional centres. It was, a um, you know, 2020 in most uh, retailers' eyes was going to be, oh, the year we come out of this, the year we can finally settle down, um, get back to uh, you know, normal business uh, and make some money. So that didn't transpire. It's not a case where they're now back and making money. In fact, the government had to step in and effectively put evictions of tenants on hold for six months for commercial and residential tenants, those in financial distress and unable to meet their commitments. In many ways, what the government did was also laid it back onto commercial landlords and retail landlords to really pick up some of the slack if their own stores, their own Tenants could not pay their, make their make their rental payment checks due when they were when they were on time. Yeah, you're hundred you're hundred percent right, and it was the last thing that I think that landlords were uh, were looking for because you need to understand through 2019 some of the some of the influences on retailing themselves had already had an impact. You said you know you said a moment ago how tough retailing was last year. Well, that had a direct impact on all the landlords then as well. Now this particular event, this uh, CD19 event, has uh, has and and doubled over by what the uh, government, uh, uh, the federal government, and also the state legislation that have come into effect, has uh, has hit all the retail landlords very hard. Okay, so the code that the government, the federal government brought in, and we'll get to the state governments in a moment, but the code they brought in applied to tenants that were small to medium-sized businesses with annual turnovers up to $50 million, uh, plus also they needed to be eligible for the JobKeeper payment. And so rent reductions would be based on the tenant's decline in turnover to ensure the burden was shared between the landlords and the tenants. In broad terms, did that work or not? Look, in the first instance, it did. I think that the the uh, federal government and and the way that they came out very quickly back in March, when uh, when we really were for the first time going to understand just how hard this was going to be. I think what the feds did back in March was good, but I don't think anybody expected it to be going on and on and on for the time that it has. So whilst the first three <coughs> excuse me first the three months were were quite acceptable. The more, the, the longer the the longer the uh, pandemic uh, had settled in, and importantly, what it had done to international markets that were directly influencing the Australian market, people suddenly realised, no, we're in we're in for the long haul on this particular one. Okay, and part of it is that a lot of the uh, relief that was given to businesses during that time is also due to come off at the end of September, and people are greatly fearful at that time that if you see a raft of company collapses, retail collapses, and they're big employers, that you'll start to see a significant increase in the unemployment rate. And I I get a sense that's even what the Reserve Bank is talking about when they suggest that the unemployment rate will get to 10% or more. Yeah, look, I uh, I hope we don't get to that. I, it, it would be, you know, it would be a sad day that we we're in double digits on uh, on unemployment across the country. But the reality is, if there's not a solution, uh, and that solution is either in uh, um, federal and uh, and also state government uh, propping up uh, the retail industry, or there is a a cure, a magic cure that comes along, 
and we quite quite easily see um, unemployment in double digits at the start of next year. Okay, because I want to go down through the actual specifics of what's taking place inside, in particular, the biggest shopping centres in Australia to see how they're treating both their large tenants but also the smaller tenants as well. And what I'm going to take you through is a series of grabs that I've picked out of the analysts' briefings just in the past few weeks when they've announced profits. Um, and the first one I'm going to play for you is Peter Allen, who is the chief executive of Centre Group. Now, Centre Group, as people might be aware, uh, owns all of the Westfields across Australia and New Zealand. Um, he's basically explained that they have some 2,600 individual deals with, with their tenants, with their retail tenants. Uh, but do note here, in this case, that uh, Centre Group only has 15% of its shopping centres in Victoria, which right now, of course, is doing it tough. Just have a listen to this, Michael, and you might explain it to me. Yeah, well, certainly, as far as the deals are concerned, with the SMEs, we've done 1,624 of the 2,600. Uh, all of those are done within the, within the code, and uh, just so you're aware, the code is different across each of the states and territories, uh, just to confuse our, our team. Um, but So that's about 62% of that, and so that's within the code. Uh, the balance I've done with other retailers, uh, what we've done with other retailers, was, as I said, we've maintained a fixed rent in terms of uh, going forward. It's dealing with uh, the pandemic period uh, as, as a whole. Um, and then we've done that on a case-by-case basis. And about 81% or 814 of the remaining 1,000 retailers, uh, we've agreed to deal for that pandemic period. OK, so that's Peter Allen from Centre Group. What does that tell you about the state and the health of not only the, the shopping centres, but, if you like, the way in which they've been able to deal with their, with their tenants? Well, the interesting number that he used was 62% of the existing retailers that they have across their portfolio, parking in Victoria for the moment, they've had to sit down and talk about a, a new term or a new deal uh, against the code. So the code has forced them to uh, sit down and restructure uh, or um, delay or renegotiate um, against 62% of their existing existing, existing retailers. The balance, to uh, to take his point further, um, are are in good shape, and I would suggest that those those the balance are supermarkets, um, convenience, anything where um, uh, we're still seeing strong sales. Uh, across the board. It's interesting to note this, isn't it? Because you can see, and this is what really concerns me, September comes to an end. You've got 62% that have had to go to their landlord effectively and say, listen, we need a deal because we've not not got the business coming through the door. He's got Mm -hmm. bank guarantees, as they've said, so they're actually sort of a bit covered there. But it kind of makes me worry about what happens at the end of September. And quite clearly, Victoria is the case in point where the gravest concern must be. No, you're 100% right. And again, parking Victoria aside for the moment, because I think that... Um, that most major landlords um, will treat Victoria very, very uh, differently. Um, I don't know where the money's going to come from, but that's another that's another debate for another day. But the bottom but the bottom line is that at the end of September, once the handouts start to uh, dry up, um, if the states haven't gone back to some sort of easing of restrictions where people are going to be allowed to you know, get back into what is a new normality. And I'm, talk- I'm talking about all the suburbs here. The-, the CBD is a separate case again. The CBDs, I should say, are a separate case again. Then um, 
yeah, we're we're in for a tough uh, we're in for a tough Christmas trade. Okay, so then I come on to a second aspect of this, and that is, say, for example, the retailer Mosaic Brands and another one called Strand Bags. Um, have basically in the last little while, last week or so, reopened uh, the best part of, I think it's 170 stores between them. It was Noni B, Katie's, Rivers, Miller's and Autograph Brands as Mosaic Brands brands businesses. Strand Bags had another 38 Westfield stores, which have now been reopened, 170 in total. Now, these businesses had effectively said to their landlord, listen... You know, we're going to have to close. The landlord had said to them, we're going to close your businesses and close your stores uh, because you're not paying rent and we haven't got a deal. So this is the sort of by-play that's going on between the businesses and and the big groups like Centre Group. Yeah, and, and I think that to be fair to Centre, um, and, and I, I've, I've read the Mosaic um, full-year review uh, that, they, that they posted to their investors and happy to walk through some of the, some of the some of the highlights of that, which are which are still very healthy, but I think that Centre Group, uh, with those two particular brands, uh, the Mosaic uh, the Mosaic portfolio and Strandbags, uh, had got to a point where it was just untenable. I think that there was a complete breakdown. There had to be. Um, you know, Centre Group are not uh, in not in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, they would not have taken the the um, the action that they did without good legal advice, and I would assume where that they where they have exhausted all sorts of negotiations with those two brands. All right, let's go back and go again to Peter Allen in this analyst briefing. He sort of talks about some of this. Just have a little listen as to what he has to say here. In effect, we have a debtor in place, which is basically covered by bank guarantees, as Elliot mentioned, and then we've got yep. the balance. Okay, and therefore we have an expectation that we will collect. As Elliot's mentioned, roughly a third of that has already been utilised to date. But, you know, I suppose to, to, to Richard's question before, yes, it is a positive sign in terms of the collections which we've got since July and August in terms of our ability, in terms of the conservative nature of that, uh, that credit charge. So what he's saying there is that things have got better as most of the country, leaving Victoria aside, has started to open up. And so therefore, tenants have been able to repay. But there's still this raises this question. And of course, the group of uh, the premier retail uh, business, Solly Lou's business, which in many cases, he's just simply refused point blank to pay rent um, and is trying to drive them to the negotiating table. So this is pretty important in the fight that's taking place between some of the very big retailers and some of the very big shopping centre owners. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is. Look, I, I use our own example, Ross, uh, across the Collier's portfolio. I mean, there are, across Australia and New Zealand, there would be over just over 300 shopping centres in our management portfolio. So our portfolio people across the country and our head, uh, Dharma Dermot, um, we divvied up the whole uh, country very early in this, uh, this piece, March, April and May. And we came to an arrangement with most of the landlords that we represent, and there are some significant landlords in there, where it was in, where it was imperative <clears throat> that we kept trading. That was the simple message. The simple message was keep the doors open and keep trading as quick, as, as hard as you can, so that where we where we can trade without impinging on government restrictions, and people are coming through the door. Now we're lucky in some ways that most of the assets in the portfolio are suburban convenience shopping centres. And with everybody staying at home, working from home, the only thing they could do was go to their local convenient shopping centres. 
So hence, the numbers have been very healthy in neighbourhood and sub-regional shopping centres since the start of the year because people have been shopping locally. The larger the asset, the harder it is to, number one, attract locals into it. I'll give you a classic example. My local is, um, is Warringah Mall. Now, there's not a very big local population and we're sitting around Brookvale, the suburb of Brookvale, where it sits. Most of them are, in, most of it's industrial shit. So the convenience wasn't there to be going into that regional shopping centre during that period. So you can see that there would be an automatic trend of the bigger assets, no matter where you are, whether in Doncaster or whether in Chermside in Brisbane or whether you're in you know, Karen up in, in Perth, most of the bigger assets didn't trade well and haven't traded well since March because they weren't local, because they weren't convenient. The smaller the assets, the, the, the better it has traded since that period. Now, to take Peter Allen's point, and that is doubled right across the country, everybody holds a guarantee against the lease in some form, whether it's a bank guarantee, a cash guarantee, or whatever, whatever it is. In the case of Centre uh, Group, and I'm sure some of the other bigger landlords, they would, as part of those negotiations where um, some of the portfolio groups were not paying their rent, use the bank guarantee to recover the debt that was owed. And, and under the terms of the lease, they were entitled to do that if there was a, a significant breakdown in negotiation. Yeah, it's really interesting because, of course, there has been a breakdown with Premier Retail, as we talked about. Now, the its brands that people would know are Just Jeans, Smiggle, Peter Alexander... Portman's, JJ's, Dotties, um, and, and so forth. So, you know, it really is a, a very significant portfolio. Before I let you go, I want to play one more grab for you. Now, this is Peter Huddle, who uh, was previously with the Centre Group, or with Westfield, rather, in North America. He's now the Chief Operating Officer at Vicinity, which is the other uh, large shopping centre owner in Australia. Also, through Chadston, that owns in Victoria, uh, has got a much bigger Victorian exposure uh, than even uh, the centre group has got. So just have a listen. This is Peter Huddle again. I think it's the Morgan Stanley uh, analyst that he's actually chatting to in the briefing the other day. In terms of the 59% that are, that are basically agreed in principle or uh, unimpacted, uh, the easiest way to think about it, 16% of our lease profile is unimpacted, which means they haven't had a material impact in in, um, in sales and trading reasonably profitably. Essentially, they are the uh, essential retailers. That represents about 25% of the income of, of our uh, gross leasing income. In terms of the remainder, uh, then we have 19% that are fully agreed and documented deals and 24% that are just subject to the documentation being executed. So that gets us to the 59% of agreed deals. In terms of for the non-SME retailers that are not subject to the commercial code of conduct, the majority of our deal-making activity of those retailers to provide short-term assistance to make sure that they're healthy on the other side is a mechanism of rental that is uh, on a monthly basis during this period where they pay the higher of a percentage of the prior base rental or a percentage of sales. Uh, and that typically ramps up from April over the period of this year. And there's a mechanism uh, that's set in terms of when that expires. When you say it ramps up from April, so the, are you saying the percentage of sales ramps up? No, the percentage, typically on the majority of those agreements, the percentage of the gross, of the, of the base rent payable ramps up. 
We're subject to Victoria, April being the most impacted month. Uh, we'd start on a, on a lower percentage of base rental and then as sales uh, improve and more confidence comes into the marketplace, there's a predetermined ramp up of that base rent. And, and would a historic occupancy cost be the, the kind of type of percentage of sales that you'd be expecting? Is that... We're typically using December 2019 occupancy costs pre-COVID as the trigger to set the whether the this, whether that is to, to set that percentage of sales measure. Okay, and just just one other question, Peter. Just are retailers, uh, you're seeing many retailers using the disruption to to try and renegotiate their lease structure, and and I guess in particular the the base rent that they're paying. Look, I have to say it's in the minor, it's in the vast minority. Uh, majority, the, the vast majority of retailers that we're dealing with, and these are you know daily uh, discussions with them. We are dealing with the existing structure of the lease, and we are not uh, resetting any of the lease parameters of existing leases in place. So Michael Bate, uh, the head of retail at Collier's, uh, just in explaining that and putting it all together, it really means that number one, they're trying to negotiate on an ongoing basis under the previous uh, sort of terms of their leases with their tenants. Number two, that there has been a significant number of them, in their opinion, that are actually now coming back to some form of normality, although they are conscious that they have got to deal with them on a case-by-case basis. No, you're 100% right. And you know what, in, in that particular uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, edit, it was refreshing to listen to Huddle talk about the way that vicinity had gone about it in a very, very thorough way. Ross, the biggest problem that we had at the start of this, um, at the start of this event back in March this year, there were a lot of ten, uh, there were a lot of landlords that rushed into things. All of a sudden, rushed in and did a whole stack of things. I think it's to the, I think it's to um, vicinity, Lendlease, Westfield, the Stocklands, the Murdochs. I think it's to their credit that they all sat down with their major retailers and all their portfolio retailers and said, "Listen, we're." into this for eight weeks or six weeks. Let's wait and see what happens. If, if you need to defer rent, if we need to start talking about a new deal down the track, let's wait until, let's, let's, let's all regroup on the 1st of June and see whether, see whether we still have a problem with sales. Because sales were forced down by the closure, by the by go home, stay at home, um, stay away from everybody. Let's beat this. Uh, this particular. Let's beat this uh, particular event very early in the piece. So for the landlords that sat back and said, "Hold everything. We're not making a decision until we know what the next phase of this particular event is going to be." They're the winners in this regard. And it's refreshing to hear Hubble say, "Yes, we've done a deal with a, with, a, with a big part of our existing retailers." Where they've got great relationships, I might add, really good relationships. And one of the one of the great things about vicinity is they work on their retailer partnerships. They all sat down and said, "Well, you know what? What can you afford? What are your sales like? Bring your paperwork in. Let's sit down and do it." And to their credit, they've gone through and done it. And so, so Huddle go back and say, "Well, how is how is occupancy cost going to work? If we do go back to you know percentage rent or a percentage of sales." Let's draw a line in the sand, 31st of December 2019. What did you do in the last 12 months? We'll use that as the benchmark. Going forward, that is what we'll do. But we'll agree again to regroup after the Christmas sale. Again, I'll give you the, I'll give you the example. We've done exactly the same thing in our portfolio across the country, where we've got retailers that have genuinely dipped 
to a massive degree in sales. We've said to them, hold off on the first three months. There's probably going to be no rent. Let's defer that rent to down the track. Let's, let's regroup first of June, which we did right across the country. And let's see where this pandemic is going to take us for June, July, August. Well, we now know, we're now, we're now at the end of August, we know now what the next three months will look like. Well, that's going to set, the, set us up for a decent debate and a decent discussion for September into Christmas when we know the, the conditions and what is going to influence consumers as they go into the Christmas period. Victoria is parked, of course, but for the rest of the country, it's business as normal at, at, at this present time. And then there's another debate to be had about um, uh, to be had about the CBD. But I think in in the case of vicinity where they were so proactive very early in the piece and didn't panic and have just walked through this sensibly in partnership with the most of their retailers, they're going to come out of this very very well. Just a final one for you, JobKeeper is really important for those who are really hemmed down by the pandemic, and that means those people in Victoria right now. Uh, we know that the JobKeeper program has been extended, but it's only out until next March. Uh, one of the big issues here is it's very hard to have the JobKeeper, but then to say it's only in Victoria. That's hard for a federal government to do. So they might have to find some other way to be able to support Victoria while other states try and get themselves back to some form of normality. I think you're right. And I think, uh, you know... Uh, just just listening to the jostling that's going on, my gut feel is it's going to come in the form of tax relief. I really think that the Feds are in the bunker at the moment determining what tax relief looks like so that they can pass it on across the board, right, um, through companies, through through the workplace, <clears throat> and hopefully that's going to filter through. Now, JobKeeper has had a... JobKeeper and JobSeeker has had a direct impact on the retail sales for... Uh, May, June and July. There's no doubt in my mind that we would not be reporting the sales that we did for those three months and what we'll report for August very shortly with our JobKeeper in the the marketplace. It's interesting to watch it, no doubt. We'll come back and do this again, Michael, because I thought that was really instructive and certainly picking up that information directly from the owners of the shopping centres during our analyst call and your interpretation of them has been really instructive and helpful today. So Michael Bate, who is the uh, Colliers International Head of Retail, always great to have a chat with you. Thanks, Ross. Nice to chat. Now, if there's an upshot to all this, it's that retailers and many shopkeepers right now are doing better than expected and that is genuinely good news. But that apparent buoyancy might be partly disguised by JobKeeper, which has kept an income flowing in for so many families. And of course, that was the object of JobKeeper. But with the income support tapering out and so many other measures that protect business also coming to an end, it'll put renewed pressure on the economy, on jobs and on the government. And the retail sector is where you'll see it happening before your very eyes. Remember, give us your feedback. I'll distribute this podcast via Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn, but you can also access it direct from themoneyminutes.com.au or talentcorp.com.au. That's it for this episode. I'm Ross Greenwood and these are The Money Minutes. I wear your granddad's clothes. I look incredible. I'm in this big ass coat from that thrift shop down the road.